Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty-eight month absence. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, a Giants podcast that breaks down just exactly how the Giants are the greatest baseball team to ever exist. I'm Brian Murphy, former managing editor of McCoveyChronicles.com, and currently a streetwalker. With me is Doug Brizzoni, who writes his own Giants blog now at GiantsDoug.substack.com. Doug, how the hell are you? Long time no here. Brian, I am doing great. Uh, couldn't be better. I am not going to check Twitter, so I am I'm fantastic. As long as I'm not looking at social media, nothing is wrong in the world. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. Uh, 28 months is how long this podcast has been down for various reasons, which are unimportant. And now that it's, I just want to point out 28 because that's Buster Posey's jersey number. And this is a Giants podcast. It would be stupid if we didn't. Uh, do that. Also, it bites on another Giants podcast bit just for this episode because 28 has the synchronicity. But Buster Posey's not back this year. That's a bummer. We missed that whole farewell, surprise farewell. Um, but I couldn't resist talking about the Giants after all this time away. It turns out I'm either a mark or I'm just uh, hopelessly addicted to them. Why and not both? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the same boat, Doug. Exactly. I am absolutely, I spend so many nights thinking, well, what am I going to say about the Giants tomorrow? And then I write some words and then two days later I do it again. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's how it is. I I was completely burnt out. Even the act of writing thoughts has become a strenuous exercise, but I can still think about it. And I figured, well, I don't want to write about it and, uh, but I can talk about it. So this seems like the happy medium. Uh, so we're for our first show back, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to, I'm, I'm importing in one of Doug's, uh, article, uh, topics that you seem to have forgotten about, which was super weird when I <laughs> mentioned it to you, but you would do the bullpen trust power rankings. And, uh, and, and I didn't notice that the, that McCovey Chronicles was still doing that. Uh, it's under the, uh, uh, management now of Brady Klopfer, who's great. So it's, this isn't casting aspersions or anything. It's just like, oh, there's an opening here. They're not doing it. Let's talk about it. This is the perfect time. Um, but first, I before we get into that, um, you know, I just want to quickly for both of us. I don't know if you've had any transformative thoughts about the Giants in the last couple of seasons, but a lot has happened. Yeah, it's been it's been a big couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in the two and a half years we've been off. 
we were like, when we were saying our goodbyes, we were like, oh, they got this new guy. Maybe they'll be good in two to three years. And uh, and then there was a pandemic. And so there was a shortened season. And then you thought, oh, well, this is the perfect year for them to go 0 and 60. They're not going <laughs> to learn anything. There's nothing new. Everything sucks. And then it's like, no, they 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 didn't make any improvements. And yet they were able to take the same guys and almost get to a, a convoluted playoff format. And then last year, they won more games than they've ever won before in San Francisco. I, I don't know. I don't I don't quite understand it. But uh, basically, they were like, uh, oh, maybe they'll be good soon. Or maybe they'll be good eventually. And, and send they were good basically immediately. And I can't help but think that's because uh, we stopped. Uh, I stopped being the managing editor of the site. And they were just once they had that negative yoke off their back, they just took off. I mean, I, I feel like you're the one who pushed them, though, who pushed them to show they could be better. And, you know, for so long, you'd been negative, And they were like, man, if only we could impress that guy. So they gathered all their energy. They, they found it within themselves. And they went out there and won 107 games. And you still weren't that impressed. I was pretty impressed. I'm going to throw it right back to you though. Like what have been your big takeaways? I mean, I have, uh, I have a, a a weird take on why this has all happened. That's probably maybe not as effervescent as one might think, but I mean, objectively they are an amazing team. And, and I, I, for a while didn't understand how, but I want to hear first, what did you think these last couple of years? What's, what's been going on in your head? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was a surprise in 20, because in 2020, they were mostly okay. They started out terrible and they rebounded. Um, and you know, there just wasn't enough time to have a full season. Right. Uh, and then we go in that, that off season, like, well, they were a little under 500. They missed the, the dumb playoffs by like a game. If they just won one more against the Padres, uh, but the Padres are obviously immortal and they'll be phenomenal forever. Nothing can stop the Padres. And then the Giants just went out and absolutely obliterated the Padres the next year. Um, the entire baseball world just completely forgot that the Padres were supposed to be good. <laughs> so my theory is that the Giants are putting right something that had gone wrong. <laughs> the Padres are not supposed to be relevant. That's not how the world works. You know, it's like if the Marlins had two straight good years, uh, it's just not allowed. You can't do that. So to make amends for letting the Cubs get away with winning the World Series in 2016 and thereby bending reality into this hellscape we live in now. Yes, 100 uh, percent. Yes. They, if, they, if, if Cleveland had won that World Series, <laughs> Hillary Clinton would have won the, the election that year. Absolutely believe that. Uh, so they're they're basically there to remind the world's folks it's the Padres. So. Right. I mean, I don't know if it was a conscious thing or it was sort of the the collective unconscious of the world that kind of powered them to that season. Because I, you know, we all heard the Padres were going to be good, and we're like, okay, fine, I guess it's their turn. But was it? <laughs> is it ever really their turn? I don't. I posit that it is not. So it's not a market correction. It's stolen valor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, because every, yes, but, and the giants are doing it with basically uh, kids standing on top of each other's shoulders in a giant trench coat. Version. I mean, at, at this they don't point, have their own yeah. For, yeah. especially this year. 
when everyone has COVID. <laughs> uh, which, yes, that's obviously getting to the Giants now. We're not going to really get into that. This year, uh, this time around, I want to kind of avoid us having to go through game by game and talk about every aspect of the Giants. We'll keep it broad. People want to be entertained. We'll keep it moving. So we're not going to get into the COVID outbreak that is or is or that might be happening with the team right now because we that don't is, fully it, know. Right, It is semi happening. That's people right. People have COVID, but everyone's fine. It's fair to say that people might be covered head to toe in COVID, but we just don't know. <laughs> we don't know yet. Uh, I My takeaway has been that the the percentage of stuff we don't know is is much greater than and at any time in history, despite the fact that there is a weird sort of public transparency with numbers and the stat cast data and all that. But it really does seem like the secret sauce is that people uh, know how to run regression analysis and a, <laughs> like the, the variables and the inputs for a lot of these algorithms uh, are far more complicated now than they've been. And that's sort of, it's basically genius ball. Is what's running the show. I uh, watching the Giants, especially last year. It was sort of this is the the thing that broke my brain. Uh, it makes perfect sense on an old school way that sort of a new approach mentally, new energy in the clubhouse would sort of revive the older players that might have been sort of you know just kind of fading away, which is certainly the Giants had. But your basic, but what we basically saw, especially last year, but it really was there in twenty twenty as well was sort of this supercharged these old guys were just like uh statistically hgh-ified basically <laughs> and i really think that you know the fact that the giants are throwing five coaches at every player uh is is basically because they are incorporating uh and not just um the statcast data but the biometric data and essentially simming these games, each game like 10,000 times before they're even played. And they're basically telling guys like, if you do this, this is the most likely outcome. So, And if you do this more consistently, you see this a lot with the pitching. Stop throwing your fastball, throw your slider. It doesn't matter how many times you throw your slider. We're not going to let you throw it so many times that you get hurt immediately. I really think it's just a... It's a much more granular statistical approach. We've already seen in some ads or articles about the Giants getting hitters with different swing types, certain swing types to face off against pitchers of certain pitch types to leverage the the matchup in their favor. And now I think it really comes down to we hear about swing decisions and such that I really think they can be like this guy his legs move this way. <laughs> this guy, his head moves this way. And I really think that they can get it down to a level where they know where things are supposed to be. And they're just getting the meat puppets that best <laughs> fit the models that they're developing. So when the Giants don't go out and make big moves to just get obviously talented players, I, I mean, we know that's a choice. And the choice could obviously, the, the, yes, the number one reason is they don't want to spend that kind of money. We could argue they're a San Francisco team. They're one of the crown jewel franchises in the sport. Why not go big and get guys? But also, they really don't have to. <laughs> I mean, if, they, so they, they did try. I mean, they tried to get Seiya well, Suzuki. They were in. Uh, oh, but if you oh. read the if you read the the athletic article, did did you read that? You're where, making me where, tap the sign. You're making me tap the sign. <laughs> we're not even there. All right, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, so they do try, right? Like every offseason, there's like one or two guys they'll be in on really hard. You know, uh, Farhan's first year is Bryce Harper. Uh, there was 
I think there was someone else in the last year say Suzuki. They they identify as like you know if we can get this guy in, we'll just build around him. And then they can't get him in, and they're like, oh, all right, Plan B. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I'm here, folks. If you forgot, the McCovey Croncast official position is is that no top-of-the-market free agent hitter will ever sign in San Francisco. San Francisco is the perfect team to use to drive up other teams' bids. It's <laughs> the perfect team, but it's still a terrible place to hit for the most part. It's an ex- expensive city to live in. The weather is like normal. It's not like, per- you know what I mean? There's seasons. The California state tax rate is so high that, you know, someplace like L.A. or Los Angelesheim like they have the fair weather still, the Hollywood proximity, and they're willing to just pay more than the Giants are willing to pay. And I'm not it. I'm trying not to like make it all sound negative, but it's just like they've they're like we're only going to go so far on guys, right? That's that's the point. Even with Bryce Harper, they're like well, we're only going to go so far in the bid here. And then that was a pretty high bid. It was probably more than Sadie was comfort Sadie was comfortable with, and uh, Bryce Harper was still able to then use that to get more from the Phillies. So yes, they're always going to try. They're always going to try. But at the end of the day, most likely a top of the market free agent hitter is not going to sign with the Giants. That has been the case for a long time, from the Sabian era to now. And that's my last point. I think it's very interesting that in all this time, uh, a Bonafide brain genius, smartest guy in the room, definitely one of the smartest minds in the history of this sport. I, I'm not saying that mockingly. I'm saying it's it's objectively we can see the evidence. You know, Farin Zaidi knows how to build the early 2000s A's. Like that's 100. Uh, but it's amazing to me that in everything that's been happening, how similar it is to br- when Brian Sabian took over the team. So it's at w- which to me makes it me go. So we have to remember that Brian Savian is not an idiot <laughs> as he, although proclaiming yourself not to be one, always a, a red flag, but it's, it's remarkable that, you know, Zadie has, Zadie has own. Um, we didn't go after Vlad Guerrero. Cause if we, <laughs> if we had, we wouldn't have been able to sign all these other guys. He just did that same quote in the soft season. Um, he's taking a lot of cast-offs, Zaidi is, and Scott Harris. They're taking basically roster cruft. That's a programming word, right? Cruft? That was another thing I learned in the last 28 months. I've so, never heard that word before which in my I, life. I think it's like junk code or like unnecessary code in light of revisions and stuff. So it's just like stuff that's in the way, like clutter written in there. I, I think that's correct. I don't want to type it. I just remember ring. Why am I thinking of this word cruft? <laughs> and then it fit. Anyway, they're taking back of the roster guys, waiver claims, guys who are basically thought to be done. And they're being like, we noticed that if you just adjusted your elbows or swung up more, that you would, that you will be good. You know, Darren Ruff is a Brian Sabian signing in, in so many ways. So all I'm saying is it's it's very interesting to me that we're getting ultimately uh, probably uh, a same focus even though the process is different, the end result is almost the same, but it's uh, the decision-making is slightly different. I, I've, so to me, the, what we are seeing is basically that the giants have become much more efficient around the margins and they're not willing to just get a glove guy. He's got to be a glove guy who maybe he hits a little harder or maybe he has 
better pitch selection. And I think that's one of the main differences, obviously, between the old school and the new school. You're not just being like a glove first guy. Well, his second thing has to be something that can actually help us too. You know, it can't just be, oh, he's nice. Uh, but that so seems, I, I, yeah. that so seems I think to be one a thing. thing happened. Yeah. yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think one thing that's happened is um, when, when Farron took over, he didn't clean house. Right. Yes. He, didn't, he wasn't right. like, oh, I'm getting rid of all these guys. They're all worthless. They're all idiots. I mean, he got rid of a lot of guys. Like, I remember that that first offseason, there were stories about guys who the Giants let go. And they weren't dicks about it. But they were, you know, they were just like, no, n- not you. Yeah. Um, but so that there is some continuity in the front office. And so I think what you're seeing is that they were actually always pretty good at identifying those kinds of targets who had a skill, who had something who could help. But they could never develop like they can develop now. They didn't have the the driveline people coming in. They didn't have all that really granular biometric data. You know, the that the sauce has never been secreter than it is right now. But you can t- see that the people were able to identify talent the same way that they are doing it just right now. Like they maybe if if Lamont Wade was around 10 years ago, right? Maybe Sabian takes a flyer on him and maybe he never turns into anything because they never figure out we need to adjust his swing to do this. We need to adjust that. Um, it, it could just be that they've figured out to hire these people who know just so much more than anybody else. Um, especially because back in the day, you know, there used to be this, this meme. And if you were on McCovey Chronicles back then, you will remember this. They're like, oh, we're all so much smarter than Sabian. Right. Right. Well, nobody will ever think that about the current iteration of the giants. Never. <laughs> they, they know so much more than us about literally every player, uh, Players that they know more than us about every player in like single A. They know more about players in single A than we know about players in the majors. Like they are, they are so intensely laser focused on every part of this. And they are just developing these guys in ways that the team had not done. And that's sort of the inefficiency they're exploiting that they figured out a way that other teams haven't, at least most teams haven't. Maybe the Dodgers are doing it too. But like most teams can't figure out how to make guys good like the Giants are making guys good. And so, they were always able to find that they were always able to see the talent and now they're, they're turning it into something else. Yeah. I really think far anxiety really legitimately deserves all the credit <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, because it's, you have a, pl- a team of players and you have a, a fleet of coaches, you know, it, uh, a big believer of everything starts at the top and the top down, you know, whether he's inspiring people, putting best people in the best positions, to succeed, you know, the, the turnaround has been uh, stark and it's sort of, um, that's everything you said. It's just, there's so much, it's so focused in a way that we can't understand. I don't think it's just, uh, I don't think it's an accident. You know, it's, it's someone definitely with a certain frame of mind. And this isn't again, damning with frame, faint praise or anything like that doesn't mean he gets all the failure as well. I just think, you know, this guy has succeeded everywhere he's gone. And uh, it's, it's just been staggering to me. It's like, wow, not only is this guy getting good people and all this stuff, but also developing a team in such a way that it's impossible for us to discern how he's doing on the outside looking in. Um, So yeah, that's, that's been my kind of takeaway. I would imagine it, it, it's, tough to write about the giants uh now or it's easier to write about the giants because they're they're much more successful it would be harder to write about them if they were not doing well right now because it'd be harder to figure out what's going on (laughs) 
I mean, if it's hard to figure out what's going on anyway, which it is, then, yes, you yes. know, there's always the challenge. We can always just write about the good stuff is what I mean, though, right now while they're being successful. And to that end, let's move into this season quickly summarizing our thoughts. But I just wanted to highlight some things that have stood out to me. Um, Captain Belt, we, we fully embraced it to the point he's riding out on a boat, <laughs> throwing throwing T-shirts in the crowd. He's got a, a, a handmade C on his jersey. Um I'm still saying Ruff is on the move around the house. Hundred percent, Ruff is on the move. I mean, he's he's literally not right now. He's in an awful slump, but he he was that was a memorable moment. Joey Bart's weird stat line is jumping out to me every time I think about Joey Bart, where he's basically got like a fifteen percent walk rate and a fifty percent strikeout rate. Is yep. kind of what I'm sticking at. Um, I have weird Joey Bart thoughts because I played way too much out of the park baseball from basically <laughs> the start of the pandemic through the lockout and uh, Joey Bart's sim uh, effect on the rebuilding giants has always bothered me with the uh, version of OOTP I was playing. So I don't know what to think about this. Uh, so ignoring that, let's just talk about Carlos Rodon for a second. I can't believe one, he's on the giants because that was a joke on McCovey Chronicles Suck a ton for Radon was something I very clearly remember. To get high draft pick to get him, and now he's on the Giants and he's pitching like an all a five inning all star. <laughs> I hey, you know what? If he wants to be the best pitcher in the world for five <laughs> innings a game, <laughs> sure, that's great. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I'm I. It's not concerns. I'm just in awe that the human arm is throwing 98 miles an hour <laughs> that many times a game. Seems yeah. Seems tough. Seems tough in the long run, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, uh, Helio, uh, Elliot Ramos called up for the third game of the season. Uh, that That's unexpected. I know it was just kind of a cameo because they already had to option him. But, uh, you know, two hits. He's fast. Uh, yet he looks like a fullback out there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Alyssa Nacken, she's, de- she's the first woman to debut on the field as, a, as the first base, base coach. Uh, that came after Antoine Richardson being ejected uh, for a fracas with a <laughs> with a disgraced Cardinals head coach, former manager Mike Schill. Yeah, <laughs> some, somewhat disgraced. Yes, uh, and, and but I mean, amazing. It, it when it happened to for me, I, my first thought was like, you know what? Why did it take this long? I had a feeling of like, this seemed inevitable and it, it doesn't feel weird at all. So it was great to see. But speaking of Antoine Richardson, uh, also ejected for giving a player an info card on field during a game. That might have happened. That, that was the same. That was the same. Game. Oh, same game. Okay. I yeah. can't remember that happening, though, is what I'm saying. And I'm like, that's very strange to me that we're having that happening. And of course, the player was Mauricio Dubon. Yes. <laughs> Something about that just feels right. That's right. Uh, man, that's probably another podcast episode topic. <laughs> uh, depending on how the cutdowns go. Giants accused of being bad sports after bunting and stealing with the big lead. I feel like the Nationals got their revenge this weekend. Also, the Nationals <laughs> this weekend proved the Giants did need to do that. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, hey, good job, Nationals, on like really taking it to the Giants two out of three games. But you score 11 runs in the game. And you can't be like, well, why'd you go for run number eight so hard? That's well, right. Because you can do that. <laughs> yep. Uh, very, very interesting that the Giants of all teams are getting. It just goes to show that 
when you're desperate, you you will smear any anybody to try. You'll tear anybody or anything down to you know try to gain some sort of advantage. Uh, Alex Cobb, uh, who knew <laughs> that he the Alex Cobb signing goes like this. The Giants have signed Alex Cobb. This is a great signing. And me staring at my phone going like, is that the same Alex Cobb? And then going and looking and realizing he had a pretty good year last year. And then seeing all these tweets about he's throwing 96 to 98 and going like, huh, well, again, the Giants must know what they're doing. But then I did remember he gets hurt a lot. And sure enough, he got hurt in his first start. And when he came back, which we're recording this right after Sunday's uh, basically pasting by the Nationals. Um, he was pretty terrible and rusty in his two-thirds of an inning. But, uh, you know, Giants have invested a, a nice chunk of money in there, more than they did Aaron Sanchez. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but that definitely is a is a driveline signing. You know, that's a, that's a biometric signing. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Giants are not better than the Mets. That seemed um, maybe iffy because of 107 wins last year, but... It was the Mets opening home series, so I'm not going to be like, well, that just proves it. But the Mets pretty well had the Giants figured out in every facet of the game. That was an interesting series. Um, the The comeback win in, in one game against Milwaukee, I highlighted that just because Jock Peterson. Um, basically, I heard anti-Semitic jeering from them. Yeah, I think it's, it's what it sounded like. Yeah. And I mean short of taking the bat into the stands, which we're not endorsing. He did what you would like to do. If you were hearing that and you were a baseball player, you'd also probably like those guys ejected. But, um, you know, if you've seen making a murderer, Milwaukee is a tough place. So a <laughs> uh, big win uh, against the A's. Uh, I bring up the game one win. Cause we know that they split and we know that Dave Cavall, the clown who's, you know, the face of the A's, was you know tweeting through it and it was really annoying if you were online which those of you who are listening to the show and are not also very online um you're like good people you're thank like you. Actually, thank you so much thank you and you should thank yourself <laughs> you're making a lot of good decisions yes. you should be proud of yourselves and you probably um, come from a good family maybe i don't know maybe it's too far i don't want it's casting aspersions on the other people but i wanted to bring it up because after that ben caspic who's now the beat writer replacing um Carrie, Carrie Crowley, Carrie Crowley. Yes. He tweeted uh, after that win with another win tonight, the giants are 120 and 60 since the start of the 2021 season. They've won twice as many games as they've lost over a sample of 180 games. Unsurprisingly, that's the best record in baseball over that span. They didn't like fall apart. As soon as he tweeted that they I think they went 500 the rest of the week, but, um, or actually they went two and three, but they, but basically, you know, the giants, this is to go back to the turnaround, like since the start of last year and really even since the end of that 2020 season, this is a different team. This is basically the team that um, the Giants signed up for when they hired their new um, head of baseball operations. Uh, I did like the Giants getting absolutely demolished on Apple TV plus only in this. I'm highlighting it only for this. The Giants have now moved. There's a new national platform for the Giants to look bad on. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Cause we know they always look bad on ESPN. Yep. Uh, they always look bad when they're the, the Fox game of the week. They didn't uh, always look good on the YouTube games. I think they had a couple of good games, but still not, yeah. not always great. Not always uh, great there. Uh, they, they were on, uh, there's something else, right? They're on Facebook. I remember them being Facebook, pretty bad yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yep. Yeah. And so now on <laughs> Apple TV plus they're also terrible. <laughs> Uh, they got a Peacock uh, morning game coming up in a few weeks. So 
it'll be fun to to see how they get pasted there or not see it because I don't feel like signing up for another thing. Yeah, I don't feel like signing up for the thing either. And I have AMC Plus right now, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think mean, I'm maxed what are you gonna do? Uh, so I think after last season, it's fair to say that the Giants are better than the sum of their parts. I think that seems like a, a commonality between uh, the end of 2020 and 2021 and even this year. Uh, you know, individual players might surprise us here and there, but it's sort of like a group performance. I kind of feel like the biggest loss, the thing that still really sticks out so far about this year is that Buster Posey isn't there. <laughs> and I, and as much as, uh, and the Giants admitted as much, and I think all the plans of, oh, if we can't get uh, Suzuki, we're going to just focus on basically building the 2009 pitching staff or some version of that. I think that was smart. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I hope it comes true. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the first couple of weeks, it certainly seemed like it was trending that way. And now with injuries and stuff, maybe not. Uh, but Doug, what have you thought about this season? Uh, I mean, hey, it's it's just been working. It, if you'd said that there, if you told me that there would be all these injuries, you know, because they came into the season with Longoria out, Wade out. Um, and then just, you know, they immediately got hit with more. Within the first month, they got Duggar and then all this wave of COVID guys. And Slater and Peterson are both on the roster, but can't actually play right now. Um, and so, be like, yeah, you know, I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take being an over six hundred team uh, with all that because I don't know. Maybe I should believe in far. Maybe I should push Farhan more. Maybe I should demand they have a seven hundred winning percentage, <laughs> no matter what. Um, but right now, you know, it's 636, the winning, winning percentage. They're 14 and 8. Wait, you're going to complain about that? Right. Uh, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It, uh, they made some moves. The the giant. One more thing, we're going to hit a break, and then we're going to do our bullpen power rankings. But I also want to point out one thing that's interesting, that this development program that they're still on, they're not actually bringing up a lot of their own guys because they've bought Corey Abbott, Kevin Padlow, and Isan Diaz in trades over the last 12 days. Um and it's interesting because it's because the Giants are using their financial advantage, you know, all the money they didn't spend, basically, and they're using it to jump the waiver claim priority. The beat writers have pointed that out to get sort of basically, again, roster cruft or back of the roster 26 man from other teams if they want to make room on their 40 men. And these players don't have an obvious fit. You know, Corey Abbott's basically a power arm. Kevin Padlow plays first and third. He's a right-handed hitting power guy. So that's basically, you know, Ruff and Longoria insurance. Um, And Isan Diaz is basically a left-handed Tyro Estrada, Mauricio Dubon. You know, he can play the uh, second, short, and third. Uh, So they're basically trying to duplicate skill sets, but also find different hitting types, you know, to basically build that depth and back themselves up. And again, maybe these guys will be stars or maybe not. Maybe they'll get a key hit here and there. It's hard to say, but yeah, it's kind of like, just throw your hands up and just see what happens at this point. The giants have sort of earned the right to be like, what more do you want from us? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there'll be Mike Ostromsky. Maybe there'll be Michael Reed. You won't know until I get the majors. All right, let's get into our bullpen power rankings. We're going to try it. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Some podcasts, they just switch off numbers. If we match up on any of the numbers, um, we'll, we'll t- whoever's saying the name first, we'll just talk about it there. The other person will mention where that person lands on the list. Um, I kind of gave – so there are, we're basically ranking 11 spots, but we're doing this knowing that we're not going to actually know 
the cutoff because MLB is reducing rosters from 28 to 26. As you're listening to this, the giants might not have to actually make their move until they play on Tuesday. I'm not sure about that. And they're allowed to carry 14 pitchers through May because the rule is after that, when it's 26 men rosters, that's only 13 is the limit um, for pitchers, but they can carry 14. So we're basically picking uh, from the 11 relievers and we know there's five starters at 16. So I'm figuring our last two guys might match up with the guys that the giants don't actually end up carrying, but we'll find out. Um, I've cut out for the purposes of this Jacob Junis, because one, he's been optioned two, he's more of a starter. Uh, and then there's also Kervin Castro who was just sent down. And then I can't read the last one. Oh, Mauricio Rivera, who was just up yesterday and hasn't really pitched enough or pitched up the other day. So that's, that's it. Doug, you're going first because I am talking too much. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, number 11, which is the, the lowest ranking, the guy we trust the least, the guy I trust the least. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Brian loves him. Uh, but, uh, it's gotta be Tyler Beatty. Um, you know, he's, if you look at the stats, if you look at how he pitched too many, he gives up too many walks, he gives up too many hits. He's not striking out a ton of guys. Um, but even more than that, he's basically just being hidden as the last man on the roster right now. Um, but there's no faith in him from the front office. There's no faith in the, in the, from the coaching staff. They're just trying to avoid losing him. Um, so my guess on Tyler Beatty is actually, he will be DFA'd uh, today that if I'm predicting then that I think that's one of them. And the specific reason why is because every team has a roster crunch. The Giants um, would try to DFA him now to get him through waivers because anyone who picks him up is going to have to put him on their own active roster. Um, and if they can avoid, they're, they're taking their best shot at another team not doing that. And their best shot is right now. Uh, so it's either they're going to, the options are DFA him today uh, DFA him later when he's more likely to get picked up, keep him on the roster all season, uh, and then not pitch him like they're not in, in important games the way they're not pitching him now, or keep him on the roster all season in the hope that he will come in, he'll round into form hopefully as soon as possible and he'll be worth the, the roster spot. It seems like the most far on move to DFA him now and try to get him through waivers. Uh, on the other hand, like we said before, they they have so much more information than we do. Maybe his slider looks great. Maybe he has the highest spin rate in the history of baseball, and we just aren't looking at it. Maybe he has the highest thing after spin rate that hasn't gotten any media play. That's right. And <laughs> that we don't know about. That's and right. the Giants see that, and they're like, well, we have to keep this guy around. His, um, his quantum yeah. entanglement rating is incredibly <laughs> high. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, absent of that, it seems like he is pretty likely to lose a spot on the roster at some point. And so just playing the odds, it's I would think it would be now. He doesn't he still doesn't know where the ball's going. Yeah. And um and his fastball playing at ninety four and not knowing where it's going, it's not as cool as when it's ninety six or ninety eight. <laughs> Agree about the breaking ball. I I mean I'm rooting for him, but yeah, if they can DFM and then outright him the one time they can. Although I don't know how many guys in the history of baseball have recovered from that and then become an all-star pitcher, but I don't think that's what ultimately the giants are hoping for. They're like, can we get a closer out of him? Can we get something like that? BD was my number 11 too. So um, uh, for all the reasons you said, and also sort of like he's given up uh, runs in three of the five appearances he's had this year. 
So yeah. I, I think that's actually bad. <laughs> if you're trying to maintain a roster spot and you're you you're a wild pitcher then yeah it's tough that you don't have, more, have any more options but yeah all right so then my number 10 so then we'll do my number 10 which is uh i, I put junior Marte. i put it for almost the same reason as <laughs> bd in that the stuff is great but it seems a little bit more like he doesn't know where he's going and it's not just a matter of him getting lit up, but it's just basically I'm looking at uh, a 27 year old guy uh, who's got a lot of stuff, but is still trying to figure it out. And I trust he's there as like backup anyway. So I trust him uh, very little. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have him at number 10. Um, I mean, he's he's on the t- team because of multiple injuries. Yeah. Um, and he was added to the 40 man. Uh, this year, the the same way that uh, Duvall and Gregory Santos and Kervin Castro were last year, which is like, you know, somebody else will take him and make him good. And we think we can do that by the end of the year. Um, I don't think he's ready now. I think you're seeing that. I think he's been he has not been he was effective in his first few appearances. And then it's kind of fallen apart lately against the Nationals. Um, and I think that's what I, I think that's why. He's not getting high leverage innings. He's getting low leverage innings. He's not doing a lot with them. Yeah. Uh, and that makes, that's how it, it, it should be. All right. Who's your number nine? Uh, so my number nine, and I kind of debated changing this after, after yesterday's game. Uh, but it's, it's Sam Long. Oh. Uh, who's been good. Like, oh. I don't want to say he hasn't been good, but um, he doesn't have a track record. And also uh, he's a flip flopper. Is his name Sam? Is his name Sammy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. They keep talking. They him. keep going back and forth. I can't trust him. Oh. <laughs> also, he's left-handed. Uh, I had Sam Long as my one, two, three, four, five, sixth. Is my six? My number nine is Jake McGee. Yeah. Jake yeah. McGee. <laughs> and I'm counting the game that just ended because that was why I was I flipped him after that. Um, if he can't even come in in garbage time and throw strikes which was completely his superpower last year. Um, it looks like his fastballs lost like literally a tick, like a mile per hour. Off it, it has. Yep. And, and the spin on that 93 looks unremarkable compared to the spin on the 94. Like his 94 looked like it was hard. It moved in. It sizzled sort of as it came in. And this just looks like sort of the 93 that, that, you know, Sam Long can throw. <laughs> Although yeah, Sam not- Long throws 96. So, and um, Sam Long has the curveball. No, I mean I think Sam Long's been definitely better than McGee this year. It's just the track record. I trust I trust McGee more to recover later in the year. But I had McGee at number eight. So uh, I mean it's yeah. it's you know, and I didn't I didn't switch it after the last game. And I thought about it, and then maybe I should have because considering how bad he is he's been, because uh, he's not getting the swing throughs. He's not he doesn't have the location right now. The the mile he's down a mile per hour. Um, and, you know, he basically only throws fastballs. So that's not great. I feel like the other night he tried to throw a slider and it didn't go well. <laughs> so I feel like he gets kudos for throwing a slider. Like, like if your cat opens a doorknob. <laughs> like, wow. So good job. Uh, okay. So Sam Long was your number nine. Jake McGee was my number nine. Jake McGee was your number eight. My number eight is Harleen Garcia. And actually, I feel like he rose a little bit 
because I really did mark him for the one bad night he had. I think it was Friday, but you know, his changeup still works. Uh, the thing about him that sticks with me is like, man, the giants really stuck with him a lot last year. There must be a reason why. And then you see it, you get it, <laughs> um, that he can get out of some, some jams here and there, but he's, he's just inconsistent. He's basically some days he'll be good. Some days will not. I mean, the whole point of the trust power rankings is that our trust can be lost. <laughs> Right, yeah, and regain. So at least for now, I think he's he's more trustworthy than Jake McGee, and that may not be much daylight between them. But I, I would still take him over McGee. Um, so I, I actually have Garcia at number five. Oh, number five. I mean, he's he's just been good. Like he's he was good. This like he had. Well, did he even give up any runs? Or did he give up somebody else's runs on Friday? Oh, he might um, have done that. I didn't pull him, or up. maybe they were unearned. Uh, anyway, but he's been, you know, he came over in 2020 and he was great. Then he was good last year and he's been good this year. Um, you know, he's been outperforming his fifth and, you know, guys will do that, but he has been, since he's gotten here, he's been really consistent. I think he's, he's been a good pitcher. I don't see any sign of him fading. I don't see any sign of him doing anything wrong. Um, and he, you know, I he's a strong five. Like my notes on Garcia, are, I have nothing to say about Harleen Garcia other than he's been good since the Marlins got rid of him because they're a cheapskate. Thanks Marlins. <laughs> um, all right. That's, that's a good number five. Uh, I'll, we'll get to my number five in a sec, but um, I think it's your turn now. So, all right. Three, so number seven, yep. uh, I'm going with Camilo Duvall. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cause it's not that he's not good. It's that I don't trust him. He, he comes in and he can, he has that Brian Wilson thing where he might walk the bases loaded. Yeah. And I didn't trust Brian Wilson either as much as even in his good years, as much as I understood he was great, but it was still tense and hard to watch. And there was still that sense of, so you getting somebody up in the bullpen there, Boach, or what? How's that going? <laughs> and, you know, you'll get, you know, Duvall, by the way, yesterday was phenomenal in the, in like a just totally useless ninth inning, just getting him some work. Um, but he'll give you that sense, too, where you're like, oh, he doesn't know where the ball is going. Oh, he still doesn't know where the ball is going. Oh, it's only two and one now because the umpire missed the pitch. It was like three inches outside. Oh, thank you, umpire. And then he'll get it together and he'll strike out the side. Well, but the thing there, that's, there, yeah. Well, he strikes me as less that he doesn't know where it's. This was my perspective is that it seems less that he doesn't know where it's going and more that his fastball scares him <laughs> because he doesn't throw it when you would think he would. And he relies on the sliders. And to your point about how he looked in the Washington finale, you know, he, he really was just letting it rip because he just had to get the work in, but it was funny. He threw a 90 mile an hour fastball right down the middle to um, uh, the center fielder of the nationals. Uh, Ro- Robles. Still rusty Robles and Robles knew exactly what was coming. And he felt he was right on it and fouled it back. But that exact situation is, I think what Duvall tries to avoid when he's in actual save situations, because he turns into that's what, my perception is. He doesn't trust his stuff in those situations because I think he did get burned on his 98 mile an hour fastball last year at some point and uh, early last year. And I think he just shies away from it. And so if he doesn't know where it's going, that would make more sense. He's like, this fastball scares me. It's so powerful, yet so wild. <laughs> that, yeah, he doesn't want to throw it. 
But I mean, to me, like there is a certain confidence to him and his stuff has been, it doesn't seem like he can go back to back. But anyway, I have, I have Duvall much higher. He's my fourth. Yeah. Fourth trustworthy. So, uh, all right. That's, that's good. So my number six was Sam Long. Uh, I'm trusting him because he's shown uh, the ability to come in and clean up the trash. So that's, and he's been pretty good at that already this year, either pitching um, in an opener situation or cleaning up the mess like you did in the Washington game. Um, and yeah, he's left handed. He throws 94 to 96 and good curveball. And I mean, he was a starter last year at times, which last year shouldn't count into this year. But to me, it just seems like he's done what they've asked him to do every time. And he's done it pretty well, as well as can be expected. And, uh, and so it's like, yeah, I'm not going to give him top five status. I'm not going to make him a key guy in the bullpen, but he's certainly more trustworthy than some of the back of that. Although I'll think about your Harleen Garcia in a little bit more. Um, oh, my number seven though was Dominic Leone. And the yeah. only reason why I say that is I like his stuff, but he's, he's got a, his command can waver sometimes. And he seems like his command is a little wonky this year. He hasn't quite figured out. He hasn't been hitting his spots as much as he needs to. Uh, but I kind of, put him and long much closer together. And I guess now Garcia, like they're kind of that middle third that I'm like, they're, they're not terrible, but they're better as the back of the bullpen. Um, although Leon at times, yes, last year was kind of higher up, but yeah, uh, I mean, so I have Leon at six um, for pretty, for similar reasons. I mean, he seemed just, eye test. He seemed worse than he did last year, but he also has just given up a bunch of hits mm-hmm. and that, that could be bad location, which is something wrong with him, or it could just be luck. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. Uh, he, but, you know, just the eye test is a little bit like, I don't know, he seems worse. And I don't have detailed Dominic Leone notes from last year, so I can't say for sure if he actually is worse. Uh, but I also don't want him in the late innings. Uh, not not right now. Yeah. He just doesn't seem like he's he's there yet. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're number six. Was that was your number six? So then my number five is Zach Littell. Okay. Which he's on the IL now, but I don't know. Littell is a guy I go back and forth on, but so far this year, I think I'm basing it on he got out of a jam earlier a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um and he's basically yeah, and so basically so far he's done what the Giants signed him to do last year, and then they asked him to do it a bunch of times. <laughs> kind of <laughs> you could see it get to him. But uh, he's been uh, to me. He's looked sharp, and he's been sort of that middle guy that uh, that you want. Basically, he's basically pitching the fifth and sixth innings when they come in. And what you want in those situations is a guy who just doesn't barf all over himself, and uh, and finding a consistent arm that can do that. He's definitely been that. So that's why I'm putting him right in this middle spot. <laughs> so yeah. that that's my I uh, I have him at number three. Uh, because he's been, you know, he's just been really good. He was good last year. He's good this year. And uh, most importantly, you know, he had, well, also, you know, five strikeouts in April, didn't walk anyone. You like that. Um, mm-hmm. he didn't pitch, I mean, he didn't pitch a ton, but he went, whenever he did, he was good. And then the most important part is he has code right now. So I won't immediately look stupid for ranking him high. <laughs> uh, he, he can't make me, which is always a concern. That's right. So. That's right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not yet marking players down for COVID. As far as I know, everyone's vaccinated. So I'm yeah, I think that they're yeah. all vaccinated. Yeah. I understood everyone who has it right now. I don't know if Alex was vaccinated yet. Uh, so, um. okay. So he was your three, your five is Harleen Garcia. My yes. four is Camilo Duvall. Who's okay. your four? 
so my four is John Brevia. Ah. Uh, and I am, you know, I am drinking the Kool-Aid on him being better, than, way better than last year. I'm like, yeah, that's right, Mike Kruko. One more year out from Tommy John, he's good now. Uh, I, I don't know if that'll last. But right now, he looks great. And honestly, all of my bad memories of him are tied to a guy who has a beard and he's shaved. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like he's basically a completely different guy. We're dealing with super soul samples here, but he's my number one okay. right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's looked sharp. Um, I like it. He has three pitches, I think. Uh, I could be getting that wrong. He's hit his locations. Well, he's, I don't think he's give up, given up much hard contact. It's kind of my other takeaway from him. Um, but he's definitely looked better even than last year. Um, I have a reason. I think I know who your number one is, and I have a reason why he's not my number one. But anyway, so so uh, number three for so four is Brebia for you. Yep. Zach Littell is your number three. Yes. My number three. We already talked about him. My number three is um, Jose Alvarez. Okay. Um, I think I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's, he's just, uh, that guy's smooth and he doesn't really strike people out, but he gets the con he, he go good luck getting a line drive off of him, you know, and he doesn't really walk people, although two and in five innings, whatever, but you know, it's, it's Dominic Leone. We, we were trashing him, but let's admit Dominic Leone has pitched seven innings. He's walked one and struck out yeah. eight, yeah. but like you said, the hits are sort of the other thing. Um, uh, but Jose Alvarez seems like you could throw him in in any spot. Like he could be an eighth inning guy. He might even, if you need to close, maybe he would. But like he seems like he can, you know, get the lefties out. He can get the righties out. I think I just like his versatility and his consistency. And I just trust him when he's in the game um, based based on uh, a lot of the other arms. So, uh, yeah, you think you love him. I have him at number one. Ah, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> I I mean, so I. By process of elimination, you can figure out who my number two is, by the yes. way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's not that he's the best pitcher in the bullpen. No, I don't think yeah. he is the best pitcher in the bullpen or like the most valuable. Any kind of permutation of that is that the situations that he gets put in, he nails them. Yes. Like more than anyone else. So that's the lefty, the lefty, lefty matchups. And then when he has to face a righty, uh, I think they limit him facing righties as much as they can. But when he does, he still he still gets them out. Um, he does everything you could ask him to do, basically. And like he comes in and just you you feel calm. It's yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to bring up a bad memory for for all you Giants fans. <laughs> um, he's kind of I'm kind of like man. If if they could have put Jose Alvarez in in Game Four in 2016 against the Cubs, that game would have ended. No. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> They could have put in Will Smith too, but we don't need to get into that. No, uh, but he—I mean, Alvarez has just done everything that you could ask him to since he became a Giant. Um, and I he's would been say, great. Yeah, I would say that makes him the most trustworthy. So then that means our number two uh, is mutually. It's Tyler Rogers. That's right. I don't know. So for me, the one, two, and three—how much separation there are between all of them? The only reason I picked Brebia over Rogers, and Rogers over Alvarez. I pick Rogers over Alvarez because Rogers is still able to get out all types of hitters uh, and make a lot of great hitters look bad. So, but I didn't put him 
first because it also seems like some hitters have been on him a little bit more this year, um, at least in the early going. And so I really just went with like some of these Lucius Fox scrappy types <laughs> might actually have an advantage over him. And that could be a problem. But that that's basically it. Um, but Tyler Rogers has looked pretty good compared, especially compared to last year. It's not like there's been a huge drop off. Um, I, I probably just don't want him against a hot lefty right now. No, I mean, he's, he's been great again. And like, he's, he's probably been the best pitcher in the bullpen this year. Um, It's just when he gets, when he gives up that soft contact, you know, and it happens to fall for a hit and it'll happen a couple times a month, right. Where he gives up like one of those 50 mile an hour dinks and then like a 70 mile an hour duck snort. And it's guys on first and second, nobody out. And it's just this thought of, Oh, is this the time? Is this the second that it stops working? <laughs> right, his whole career. <laughs> right, just, yeah. and like well, he he deserves so much more than that. You know that that thought is why he didn't get to the majors for like two full years when he should have been in the majors. Like he does not deserve me having that thought, but I absolutely have it because oh. it's like you know you see it and you're like, well, maybe maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe this is the moment, and it it's never the moment. His walks per nine right now is zero because yeah. he hasn't walked anybody. Yeah. He struck out nine in 9.2 innings and he's given up seven hits. To your point about the dinks and dunks, the Wash- the National Series, but also all season long, I've sort of noticed the Giants defense has been giving up a lot of hits. And I don't know what that is right now. So I just want to keep an eye on that. But yes, Tyler Rogers is basically, in our view, getting dinked by his teammates. Getting <laughs> dinged by his teammates the trust ranking we can't trust you tyler it's not that we don't trust you it's that we don't trust other players <laughs> and and you know some of that is that they don't have their best defenders out there like is exactly say what you will yes. about evan longoria's offense no, yeah. like, what do you expect from it his defense has been rock solid since absolutely he a giant um and so you know without him if you have if any ball on the infield is just a little bit less likely. And that's no disrespect to Jason Vossler, who's other than, you know, one play yesterday, which ended the game in the first inning has been pretty good over there. Uh, but Longoria is great over there. And without yeah. that, you lose something, especially with someone who's going to not necessarily pitch to contact, but is going to give up his share of contact. All right. So just to run it down real quick, Doug's, Doug's one through 11, Jose Alvarez, number one, Tyler Rogers, yes. Zach Littell, John Brebbia, Harleen Garcia, Dominic Leone, Camilo Duvall, Jake McGee, Sam Long, uh, Marte. Junior Marte, and Tyler Beattie. And, uh, and the biggest gap there, by the way, is between Duvall and McGee. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> it's a, that clear. we could have tiered this and it would have been yeah. interesting. Yeah. I have Brebbia, Rogers, Alvarez, Duvall, Littell, Long, Leone, uh, Garcia, McGee, Marte, and Beattie. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I I would say Beatty and Marte being a uh, part of that cutdown seems pretty likely. Mainly they can option Marte. And, yeah, uh, and, I mean yeah. I think they'll probably. Yeah, and for all the reasons you said, this is the perfect time to DFA and try to sneak them through. Um, okay, so uh, just uh, that's that's the power rankings for April. You know, it was a shorter sample because of the lockout and the the late start, but we'll we'll see what happens. I still think it's a pretty solid group. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think this yeah. is as good of a bullpen as they've had, I mean, this century. Yeah. Just top to bottom. I mean, yeah. it's, it really is a great Like, you know, I have what Lee, I have McGee at number eight. I have Duvall at number seven. We'll go with Duvall at number seven. He would have been number one three years ago. Absolutely. Know? So, Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. that's how good they are. Yeah. And I also feel like the bullpen's the 
point where Andrew Bailey and company, Brian Bannister, they can really experiment. Yeah. And get weird. Um, So, all right, just to look ahead, the Giants have six games this week. They're going to play two in L.A., starting Tuesday, and then they've got four against the Cardinals, Um, which might inspire our topic for next week. But we also want to – also, they have a near outbreak, like we said, of the novel coronavirus. The rotation is down at least a a starter. We're just previewing the week ahead here. Uh, Buster Posey Day is next Saturday. Saturday. Don't forget about that. I'll be crying. Um, I think they'll be fine, but you know, we'll find out. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, be sure to send us your questions. You can add us on Twitter at at MC Croncast. I totally forgot about what the account was called. Or um, you can post in the uh, comments below of the McCovey Chronicles post. Uh, we're glad to be back. Thanks for listening. Doug, do you have anything you want to um, push or advertise? Yes. Please go to giantsdoug.substack.com and subscribe. And then maybe click on every email like 30 times when it comes in, because apparently they count every one of those and it makes me feel good to have higher numbers. I didn't know that. Please click that, on the emails. So, <laughs> yeah, so they, they said they fixed it and then it happened again. And I was like, yes, thank you. One guy who does that, <laughs> who clicks on it 200 times for whatever reason. All right. <laughs> uh, that, that's just a mouse. That's just pressing That's just a mouse. It. Hey, yep. I'll take yep. it. Yep. Machine doesn't or, know. My cat sees the pointer on the screen. She'll follow it sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, the Giants are the best team ever.